This podcast was first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South community access radio station. For more information on Fresh FM, as well as links to other great local podcasts, go on our website freshfm.net or download the accessmedia.nz app. This is Fresh FM, your community access radio station. Broadcasting across the top of the south in Nelson, Tasman on 104.8, Eastern Golden Bay on 95.0, Blenheim on 88.9 and the Nelson CBD on 107.2 and streaming to the planet through our website freshfm.net. Welcome to our show, Heads Up, brought to you by the Brain Injury Association, Top of the South, with help from the Neurological Foundation, playing Thursday mornings following the BBC News at 9am. Special mention to our fantastic sponsors, the Nelson Clinic, and of course, Fresh FM for making this show happen. Our support groups run every Tuesday and Friday at 10.30. Our whereabouts for the month of August are as follows. We have a peer-run group every Tuesday at the deck 70 Beach Road, Tahunanui. Friday groups for August are The Honest Lawyer on the 13th, Arts and Crafts at Saxonsfield on the 20th. We are holding a brain health session which is for carers, family and friends living alongside a brain injury. Wednesday the 18th from 5.30 to 6.30 held at Habitat Health 469 Main Road, Stoke. You can find our monthly support group calendar on our website, braininjury.nz. Alternatively, you can contact Emma at Brain Injury, Top of the South on 03-546-6656 to receive a calendar via post. All right, guys, my name's Emma. I work at the Brain Injury Association, Top of the South. Um, I'm just here to have a wee chat about Heads Up, our show that we have here on Fresh FM. Um, it has historically been running for quite some time. However, uh, the format of the show is changing. So our fantastic Peter Berland, who is one of our long-standing members um, at the Brain Injury Association, will be hosting the show and sharing with you all uh, the brain injury support group whereabouts every month, how to contact us and what's coming up the following week. Pete has been involved in this show for many years and is super passionate about helping people and, and inform those living with brain injury. We're very excited to announce the Neurological Foundation will be collaborating with us on the show and providing some amazing content. We'll have interviews with renowned doctors and scientists and information and education. A little bit about the Neurological Foundation, if you're unaware, uh, is a New Zealand charity that funds vital research and ongoing education into neurological conditions, which includes diseases and disorders of the brain, spine and nerves. The Foundation's sole focus is to work towards the treatment, management and prevention of the neurological conditions by funding research and education. One in five New Zealanders suffers from a neurological condition. A little bit around the Brain Injury Association and what we do is we provide advocacy for people, support, information and education to the top of the South. We help people navigate the health system after having a brain injury, which can be really hard work. Uh, we also have a membership and support groups that we run weekly. 
these are a great way for people to keep socialising and just to have support. You do not have to have a brain injury to come to these support groups. You can also be a family member living alongside brain injury because you also need some support too. Both the Brain Injury Association and the Neurological Foundation are not-for-profits and need your ongoing support to continue help people in our community. Head to these websites if you wish to donate. Braininjury.nz or neurological.org.nz Today we are joined by Rich Easton, the CEO of the Neurological Foundation. Tēnā koutou from the Neurological Foundation. This is Kelly Bain. I'm the Relationship Manager for the South Island and I'm talking to you with the Foundation CEO, Mr Rich Easton. We're really happy to have this opportunity that the Brain Injury Association Top of the South has given us to talk a bit more about what we do. Um, In the last segment, we talked about our partnership with the Clinical Chair of Neurology, Professor Alan Barber. In this segment, we are keen to discuss our partnership with the Neurological Foundation's Human Brain Bank. Now, Rich, welcome, and thank you again for spending some time on this. I'm keen for you to reflect on the partnerships that we willingly engage with Um, because we're very community-minded, with other organisations and charities, and if you can fold in the rich history that we have with the Human Brain Bank. Kia thanks Kelly, and thank you again for the opportunity to talk to you all today. So the Neurological Foundation Human Brain Bank uh, was first founded uh, in the early 90s, 1993, when the Neurological Foundation funded the first ever minus 80 degree deep freeze, And we've had a wonderful 25-plus year relationship there uh, with distinguished Professor Sir Richard Fall, who heads up the Brain Bank. So the the Brain Bank basically is exactly as it sounds, a place where people who have donated their brains for research, be it people with a particular neurological condition or or without one as well, Mm. um, which allows the scientists to look at the differences between age-related brains. Uh, There are over... 800 pieces of brain tissue in the brain bank, both from fully donated brains and also brain tissue that they get from Auckland Hospital, which is literally just over the road, where people have had brain tumours removed. And the brain bank, A, it's the only one in New Zealand, and B, it's really quite unique globally um, because not only do they have the brain tissue but they also have the clinical and often the family history that's gone along with uh, the donated brain and understanding, it helps the scientists understand better uh, some of the things that have led up to, you know, when the person passed away, the condition and how it's evolved mm. over over many, many years. Can I just interject and ask you, the his- the medical history that you're talking about is some when somebody has been accepted, they are, are accepted, are they, by the brain bank? What's that? Yes, so you, you can't just go, oh, my dad's died and I want to right. um, donate your brain overnight. Uh, so, yeah, you do have to work really closely with the brain bank to register that you mm-hmm. want to donate mm-hmm. your brain before you pass away because there's a whole process that's required to work with the uh, undertakers, the morticians, uh, etc., shortly after your death so that you can right. work really quickly to remove the brain and then get it as fast as they possibly can to the brain bank in Auckland. 
So quite a lot of conversation goes in with your next of kin and Absolutely. surrounding. Yeah, it's as you say, it's not a quick. De- it's well, it might be a quick decision, but it's definitely not a quick process. Yeah, no, you you definitely need to be thinking about it many many months before you pass yes, away. Or to even give years. Them. Yeah, exactly. The the sooner you think about it, the better, and it gives the the brain bank the opportunity to help you and help your family members mm. put in place all of the things that you need. Can they say no? Like, what happens? Because I know that it's... How the, how does that work, the process of yes. them deciding, I suppose? Yeah, so look, there, there are a number of factors uh, in particular. Um, so they need to be confident that the brain tissue that's being donated uh, is something that they can use. So right. often if you've got multiple different conditions, it mm. can actually be something that excludes you because... When you're looking at the tissue, although you may have Alzheimer's, if you've got a number of underlying conditions, it could be that you're not actually, that being able to look at the tissue is not going to help the scientists because there's too many confusing things. So so there's some of that. Um, They also have to be really careful, you know, like in in today, for instance, if somebody's um, passed away because they've got COVID, uh, you know, that's obviously an issue that they can't take that tissue because there's a risk of exposure. Uh, to the people that are actually mm. in in the mm. laboratory dissecting the brain as it comes along right. as well. So I suppose as an as emotional as that decision and subsequent com- communication with your family and friends is, you also have to have the other side of the practicality that it just may not happen. Yes. Um, and it's not a decision that you're going to be in control of either. No, that's right. And, and look... You know, knowing that somebody's getting really close to passing away and yes. working with uh, the medical staff in the hospital and working with the mortician, uh, the, you know, getting things ready so that yes. when the person sadly does pass away, that all of the possible mechanisms in place can allow them to extract the brain, fly it to Auckland, and mm. it doesn't have mm. to be that you live close to Auckland. They've taken brains from many, many parts of the country. It's all about the relationship that they have with uh, all of the um, clinical practitioners yes, okay. along the way as well. Sorry, I jumped in there. Keep, oh, keep going. That, that's good. Uh, so, so look, the, for many years we used to fund the Brain Bank and its operation one year at a time. Mm. Uh, and just in 2018 we decided that actually a smarter way to do that was to create a five-year relationship with the Brain Bank. Uh, and uh, so the Neurological Foundation Brain Bank the agreement we have in place is now a $2 million agreement or about $420,000 a year, uh, which guarantees the funding for the team that support the running of the brain right. bank. And yeah. that allows scientists throughout New Zealand and even globally to be able to access real live, sorry, real human <laughs> tissue, not live human tissue, because that would be That would be impossible, yes. But... but Something that's quite a unique resource because obviously you can't look at people's brains while they're still alive. So you've just, sorry, I'm interjecting again now. Yeah, Far good. too many questions, everyone. Um, so it, it's not just for New Zealand clinicians and researchers. This is something that we can offer. Yes, yeah, so sometimes in particular conditions that you know, the, the brain bank has had a request from overseas researchers right. that are looking at particular areas of mm. the brain and, and what they do when they get the brain they kind of dissect it in half, one half they process in one way and the right. other half they dissect into many, many, many layers, mm. record all of those and then allow um, the researchers to have visibility of different aspects of the brain, 
the different conditions so that when they're requesting the tissue, mm. they've got a really good database to say, yes, we do have some tissue related to this part of the brain with this type of disease. And it's a, it is a brain bank that is held in high, high esteem globally. Absolutely, yes. Something else that we, like last time we talked, when we were talking about um, the clot retrieval with Professor Barber, we were saying that he really is punching above his weight. And this is, again, something that we are... In a, as a country, punching above our weight with the amount, I believe, of what we're able to store and the quality that we're able to yeah. provide in the a- tissue. And definitely that richness that's not just the tissue samples yes. but the history that's gone with it. Very few brain banks often have that linkage mm. uh, and it allows the research, in particular the family history of you know, Uncle Fred passed away with Alzheimer's but in his 80s we started to notice these right. things in his 90s we so, so they actually can when they're mm. looking at the tissue when they, they finally get to look inside it helps them with a better understanding of how that disease has progressed as and well. And I suppose on one level that also shows how compassionate the people that work there are that patients or donors sorry friends and family are very comfortable and relaying that information yeah. because they comf- you know, they are feeling safe. Yes. And, and look, Sir Richard and the Deputy Director, which is Professor Morris Curtis, mm. they work really closely with the families, both through the preparing the donation phase, but then afterwards, once the tissue's been donated, mm. working really hard to keep them updated when the tissue's been used how it's been used, what outcomes potentially, what impact the research has had. Um, and, and I know and I've talked with Richard and, and Morris a few times and you know, sometimes it's really quite novel for um, the family members to say, well, Auntie Flo has always wanted to travel globally and some of her brain <laughs> tissue is now being used in America or in Europe. And was, so her final wishes of being able to travel yes. overseas yeah, <laughs> in a unique way has been quite... Yeah, well, so. it's also nice for people... Well, nice is probably not the right word, but it's heartening and comforting to know that the person's wishes were honoured yes. and they're making a difference. Yes, that's right. Mm. And, and look, there's always a time where uh, at a certain point that the tissue is no longer viable and yes. so they work really closely with the families to make sure that the, the remaining tissue that's related to their relatives um, is handled appropriately mm. once once there's no longer any need to do more research in that space. You may not know this, but um, how long is it stored for? Is there a particular no, length I, of time? I, I, or is no, it... I don't think so. I, I think you know, sometimes you know, some parts of the brain that are impacted by disease is mm. only a small amount of tissue sample right. and the rest right. of the brain, there isn't much they can use it for. So you know, sometimes it's just... Now, once the valuable tissue is used, there's yes. not much else that yes. you can do, and you, there's only so many minus eighty degree deep freezes in right. the in the brain in the neurological foundation human brain bank. So, you know, it's a little bit about managing the the space wisely mm. as well. Right. One of the other things that's been really interesting. So, a couple of years ago, uh, the brain bank has started an initiative that's been built out of some research that's been going on in America around sports concussion and looking at the long-term impacts of repetitive concussion on the brain Mm. and how that links into kind of older age dementia. And that's particularly come out of work that's been going on in America around uh, the American gridiron, uh, American football, where kids from a very young age put on a helmet 
bash their heads together and they're mm. doing this all the way through their junior years and then all the way through their years and then the long-term impacts that that's having on it you know kind of early onset dementia and beginning to get them to think about safer practices mm. uh, and so Sir Richard and Morris are in the early stages of looking at you know, uh, New Zealanders, New Zealand sports uh, players that have had regular concussions during their sporting career and starting to look at how we collect brain tissue and brain donations to help them to better understand the impacts of long-term Yeah, concussion. fantastic. So having real impact Yeah, yeah, for New so, Zealanders. So I think just recently we had Dr Helen Murray um, from the mm. university was talking uh, and, and talking a little bit about some of the hopes and desires that they have about what they're be able to do in the future once they've got a better understanding Bending. of the impacts from the, the donated tissue from sports-related injuries. Yeah, fantastic. And also, um, and we can talk about this a little bit later, it's probably not the time, the segment's not the right one to talk about, but Professor Nick Draper, who is also doing similar work, yeah. um, University of Canterbury, with the yeah. Head knocks and head thing. knocks yeah. in, in rugby and looking at it at, at the junior level and yes. you know, this is really looking at the other end of it where people have played mm. a sport for many many years had lots of concussion and then yes. you know, have have begun to show impacts from dementia and you're obviously gradually building up the brain samples that are donated um, as people are getting to that point in life where they're passing away as a related to yes. concussion related dementia. Um, do want to touch on Sir Richard Fall and Professor Morris just um, because they are so fantastic at doing some outreach for us and talking. There's also, if you go to our website, um, neurological.org, you can actually see in our lecture library, if you search lecture library, um, there is a bit of a walkthrough, isn't there, about the human brain bank and a bit more about it from them. Now, if you, this is something that interests you, it, there is a dedicated email and dedicated phone number. It is not the Neurological Foundation. It is the Neurological Foundation Human Brain Bank. Yes. And that is what we suggest you look up on the website. Um, so Richard Fall, who you mentioned earlier, who's, who headed and started and has done some fan- amazing work Absolutely. in that area, he's also going to be talking... Uh, for the Neurological Foundation in Christchurch, which I know is a bit f- far away for some of you, but um, just wanted to let you do- know because maybe it is something that in- will interest you. We're on the 23rd of September, it's our AGM, so yeah. he'll be very interesting. Yeah, so we've got a panel discussion. So Sir Richard, Dr Barry Snow, who is our ex-chairperson yes. and a very experienced neurologist, and uh, Professor Cathy Stanier, who's our current chairperson, does a lot of clinical research into stroke recovery so we have a panel discussion that they'll be talking a little bit about mm. the developments in neuroscience and clinical and and, re- and laboratory research uh, over the last 50 years and some of the outlooks for the future so we're really looking forward to to hearing about that as well uh, and soon on our website and our lecture library uh, so sir richard uh, did a talk for us down in taranaki a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. and we'll be having that published. Uh, and Sir Morris Curtis, sorry, Professor Morris Curtis, <laughs> uh, did a talk for us in Auckland around some of the work that he's doing on Parkinson's disease just mm-hmm. recently. And so both of those will be in our lecture library oh, somewhere in the next couple of months as well. Yes. And a lot of that is building on some of the work that they've been leading been in the brain bank. Fantastic. Well, 
As always, thank you so much for your time. A big thank you to the Brain Injury Association Top of the South for the um, energy that they spend on this show and giving us a little bit of time to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Please, if you do have any feedback, we welcome it. Uh, you can get hold of me, kelly.bain, K-E-L-L-I-E dot Bain, B-A-I-N, at neurological.org.nz. Wishing you all well. Until next time, take care. Many thanks again to our fantastic supporters at the Neurological Foundation for providing us with that interview and to our sponsors, the Nelson Clinic. Tune in to Heads Up, playing Thursday mornings following the BBC News at 9. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this podcast available by funding the Access Media Project. Other great podcasts from Fresh FM are available through the accessmedia.nz app or our website freshfm.net.